Ian Begley, ESPNNewYork.com. My man, how you doing? Randy, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Can't complain. You know, if I don't get a chance to, you know, to speak with you in the next few weeks, I want to wish you guys a, a very happy uh, holiday, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, first and foremost. Um, I, I love having you on the show, you know, during the next season. Usually I have you on prior. A few times I get you on during the season, and I know I get you on before the draft. But um, again, you can follow... Ian on Twitter at Ian Begley. Great work for ESPN New York. Um, the, the first question I throw at you is that, you know, usually before the season, I always ask you, you know, how do you feel going into <laughs> another year covering the Knicks and, you know, no no playoffs in sight. It's a new coach, a new regime, new players, new young players. Um, real quick, how long have you been with ESPN New York? I've been with them since I think 2011. I want maybe 2010. I can't remember, man. 2010 or 2011. And uh, I was around the Knicks prior to that with the Daily News mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. I think starting back in 2005. So wow. um, so I've been around the team for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I go on, happy holidays to you and your family Thank as well, you. Randy. Appreciate uh, that. Your brother Joe, your mom. I hope everybody's doing well. And uh, and thank you for those well wishes. No problem, man. And again, listen, man, you're you're on your let's say seventh, eighth year coming into the season. How do you feel coming into covering the Knicks, knowing that again, there's no playoffs in sight. It's a new regime. It's no, uh, you know, no positivity coming forward. I think in in, in the near future. But how do you feel coming into the season? In my mind, uh, you know, for the first time in a while, it feels like if you look ahead and look at the steps ahead with this regime and the front office and mm-hmm. um, the coaching staff, it seems for the first time in a long time that they have a chance to get things right. And right. You know, I, I can't predict the future. I don't know if how things will play out mm-hmm. going forward. But at least if you look at the idea that the Knicks have all their first-round draft picks going forward, right. they have some, some young players here who, if they continue to develop, could be a part of this young nucleus around Chris Stapps, Porzingis going forward. Let's assume they re-sign Porzingis in the summer. Everything goes well there. Mm. And let's assume that they get uh, a top free agent this summer, which is what they want. You know, they have a chance to be a playoff team in the East next year if everything goes right. Mm. Now, you know, we we know things can kind of go sideways in professional sports. There's no guarantees. But just the way things are set up at the moment seems like they have a chance to really build this thing the right way. Uh, I, I'll start off with this. Tim Hardaway Jr., um, you know, I think he's taking the role of being the leader on the team without Porzingis scoring-wise. Right now, currently averaging 24 a game. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. If I told you, Ian, a month into the season and Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be averaging almost 25 a game, would you believe me when I say that? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because you said <laughs> it. There's no Porzingis. Yeah. And... Tim is the clear number one option, and mm-hmm. you look at the roster, there's some young guys who could put the ball in the hole, but there's not really, outside of Ennis Cantor, there's mm-hmm. not a, a veteran who's that reliable guy night in and night out that you can count on to get you points. Tim's the guy, so he's the clear-cut number one option. So I, that wouldn't surprise me if you asked me before the season mm-hmm. if he was averaging around 24, 25, because I... I assumed that he was going to get a lot of looks and have the ball in his hands a lot. Right. And that's what we've seen thus far. I think he's playing very well. 
uh, offensively, I think the coaches, David Fisdale, is pleased with his effort by and large on defense. So I think, you know, Hardaway Jr. has done a nice job so far for this team. Mm. And I know he was hurt uh, a few games ago, uh, back on track last night uh, in Atlanta, 34 points. What do you like specifically from Tim Hardaway Jr. so far? And does he have does he have to play at this pace all season for the Knicks to even be competitive going forward? Well, I think to answer the second question first, mm-hmm. it is it has to be uh, what we're seeing from Tim offensively, night in and night out, for the team to be in games, unless someone else like a Kevin Knox or uh, Damian Dotson or Alonzo Trier emerges in a way that we wouldn't expect them to mm-hmm. this early in their careers as a as a a strong. Uh, consistent option on offense. I think Tim is your offense right now. When you look at kind of the the totem pole with the Knicks, it's Tim, it's it's Ennis to a lesser degree, and then everyone else. Y- you're going to get contributions from, but not you can't rely on them on a consistent basis. Tim is one is your one consistent guy. So right. I do think it, it, the Knicks offense will come and go to a degree as he comes and goes over the course of the season. And you know one thing about. Tim is at least thus far this season, he's played hurt and he's played um, with a busted up lip. He's, he's played through this most recent back issue. I know he didn't get in the game the other night, but he was available. Mm-hmm. So I think that sets a pretty good example for the young players in that Nick locker room. And the other thing that I found interesting, we're going back a couple weeks now to that Brooklyn loss when Tim was defending Karis Levert mm-hmm. and Levert converted the buzzer. Tim got on himself. He was critical of his own play. He said he should have taken away Levert's right, and he said he shot too often in that game. And, you know, I, Tim, as a rookie, and I didn't hear that that often from him, so to hear his his ability to kind of criticize himself, be self-critical in that moment, to me was a sign of a maturation from Tim Hardaway Jr. Now, you mentioned, you know, the, the young players, especially Alonzo Trier, um, a lot of fans on my timeline, uh, uh, Ian, they love this guy um, or kid. Um, they, they, they love his attitude. He can score. The main thing was he, he, he went undrafted. What's your, what's your take on his play so far? And just him being able to stand out with the amount of guards that the Knicks have with Burke, with Moutier, with uh, Frank Nilekina as well. He's confident, and he – has the confidence of a player who expected to be drafted highly when he entered the draft. And he has a, the confidence of a player who knows that he's one of the best in his age group. And I think that's what he was, you know, coming into college and you know, throughout his, his prep career, he was one of the top players in his, his class, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just exudes that confidence. And you see it on the floor when he has the ball in his hands. He doesn't play like a rookie. He's not tentative. He's not unsure of himself. Um, he attacks. He's aggressive off the dribble. He, he's got this. He's got an ability to really get past his defender off the bounce in a way that we haven't seen from Nick guards on a regular basis in recent seasons. So, you know, it's all indications thus far. It's early, but all indications thus far are the Knicks found themselves a steal uh, when they signed Alonzo Trier as an undrafted free agent. Now, the question I'm going to throw at you is that, again, you know, we, we do have a lot of Knicks fans that follow us and we follow them. And the main topic that I see is, the you know, Frank Nilekina. Um, I know he's a second-year guy, but a lot of fans are 50-50 where 
you know, last year in a the draft, they can say, oh, we, we, we missed out on Dennis Smith Jr. We missed out on Donovan Mitchell. And again, even if the Knicks were, were to draft those guys, there's still no guarantee that Donovan Mitchell would have been almost rookie of the year on the Knicks or Dennis Smith Jr. and the way he's been able to play now with, with, with the Mavericks. Uh, I, I need to sell those fans on why, you know, drafting Nilakina and not drafting Mitchell and Dennis Smith Jr., that there's an upside to him in his game because he still needs to work on, you know, his shooting, uh, scoring ability, um, you know, offensive game. The kid can play defense, but a lot of fans are more like, man, we could have had Mitchell, we could have had Smith. Sell them on why picking Nilakina and going through his growth uh, can be a big uh, surprise for the Knicks going forward. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to sell anybody anything. I mean, that to me is Steve Mills's job, and <laughs> it was Phil Jackson's job because he made the pick. I'm not here pushing anything for the Knicks. That's not my job. Mm. But just as a reporter, and I was observing um, the the process, so to speak, with Frank Nilakina. I think that we see it, you know, night in and night out with him defensively. Um, he's an elite talent for mm. a 20 year old player, and you know, we haven't, you know, speaking of recent Knicks teams, we haven't seen uh, a player defend the perimeter like Frank has right. early in his career. So I think a lot of times we get caught up in the box score, what we see, night in and night out basis, field goal percentage, uh, sometimes low scoring output from Frank Nilakina. But if you, if you watch him on the other end of the floor, he's extremely talented. And then offensively, you know, I think his shot, he, he can shoot the ball. It, you know, he went through a stretch the last couple of games. I think he was 0 for 14 from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if you look at his shot by and large, it's not broken. You're not dealing with Markel Fultz here. We have yeah. to just recreate his jump shot. He has a jump shot. I think he can knock shots down. But I think with Frank, it, what will separate him, I think, from being, you know, a good 3 and D rotation player or maybe a starter in the NBA uh, to uh, a player who really makes a greater impact than that is if he can find a way to create his own shot off the dribble um, or, or gate separation from a defender off the dribble and create a shot for somebody else. We haven't seen a lot of that from Frank so far in his career. I'm not here to tell you that he will never be able to do it, but I think if he develops that aspect of his game, Mm -hmm. that will go a long way towards telling you what Frank ultimately is. I think right now, he, if everything stays the same and he doesn't develop in that area, he'll be he'll have a very solid NBA career as an elite defender and a guy who can knock shots down. But if he if he, if he to take that next step, I think he has to to find a way to create his own shot or at least to be able to get by defenders off the bounce and create for his teammates. Yeah, I think to to kind of clean clean that up, I think more Knicks fans want to see him be aggressive night in night out. Where like last night, he had 14 against the Hawks, but they want to see him be more more consistent with that uh, 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 aggressiveness. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a fair criticism. I think you don't see it on a consistent basis. And I'm on a text chain with with some passionate Knicks fans, and they're already out on Frank. They're down on Frank. They're mm-hmm. done with him. Right. I think it's too soon to kind of make that assessment. I really think if you look at his age, you look at his wingspan, and you look at the opportunity for growth there, I think there's uh, he has an opportunity to be uh, uh, you know, a strong 
player in this league. I don't know how to define it. I don't think you would define it as an elite talent in this league, but I think he could be a very effective player for you, could be a part of a winning program. Um, so I think it's too early to to sell Frank as either a bust or a player who's not worthy of a rotation spot. So what's your take on David Fisdale so far? Uh, you know, he's the new coach in town, new new head guy in, uh, in town with the Knicks. Um, he's been playing with the starting lineup, you know, for the for the past couple of games. Took me off guard where you know I thought it'd be Cancer and, and and Burke and the regular guys, but he'll have. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he'll have Dotson and these guys in the lineup. Um, did it take you by surprise? And what, what's the main reason why you see him doing that so so early in the season? I was surprised that it happened this early, but I think what he said is, you know, he's committed to seeing how these young guys play in these roles, and these are players that the Knicks see as potentially part of their long term future. So it makes sense from his perspective, to give them minutes right away, to give them the starting responsibility right away. I thought there would come a point in the season where we saw Mitch Robinson starting or we saw Noah Vonley starting, but I didn't think it was going to happen this early because I thought yeah. that they would ride with Ennis Cantor um, for a while until it was clear that they were no longer in competition for a playoff spot. So I, th- I think it's a, it's a gutsy move from David Fisdale. Uh, I think it, there's a little bit of a mixed message in my mind because if you go back to the preseason, he said that Frank Nilakina had earned a starting spot based on merit over Kevin Knox. And that was because Frank played well in the preseason. Kevin Knox did not. So mm-hmm. Frank got the nod as a starter on opening night. If you look at the way Ennis Cantor's playing, it seems like based on merit, he deserves to be the starter. So a little bit of a mixed message there. And, and there's a risk, I think, of, of creating an issue in the locker room. And as Cantor, you know, he hasn't come out and exploded in a public way about mm-hmm. coming off the bench. But you could tell just by being around him those first few games, he wasn't thrilled with the idea of coming off the bench. So I think there's, there's a potential for a fissure in the locker room. But big picture, to me, it, it, it does make sense to play these young guys as many minutes as possible if they are – you have to find out if they can be a part of their of your future or not. The only way to do that is to throw them into the fire. I think that's what we're seeing here with David Fisdale. I know the sample size is small because he, you know, he got hurt and missed a, a, a quite a few number of games. But what have you what have you been able to see from the next draft pick, Kevin Knox? I go back to that that game in Brooklyn where he was coming off the four for sixteen night in the opener against Atlanta. And he looked really good against the Nets. His shot was falling. Um, And to me, you know, most of the time that he's out there, he looks comfortable. He looks at ease. He doesn't look like somebody who is playing his first, you know, weeks in the NBA. He looks like he's been there before. Just the way he Mm -hmm. moves, the ease with which he moves. And his shot last night at the very least, you know, it's going in and out. It's not like he's missing wide left, wide right, um, way too long. It seems like it was on target, and maybe it was just a matter of him getting his rhythm back. So what I'm interested in seeing is, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, as he gets more minutes under his belt, more practices under his belt, and he gets his rhythm back, does he start to look like the guy we saw in that Brooklyn game more regularly? I think in that game he had 17 on 7 of 14 shooting. If you start to see that again, couple weeks from now later this month 
then that I think tells you a little bit more about Kevin Knox in terms of making an assessment. I think we have to let him um, get some get some time back, get some court time in after missing seven games with the ankle injury mm-hmm. before we can start to assess kind of where he is and what he's doing. I got a few more before I let you go, Ian, real quick. Um, you know, the balance of power in the Eastern Conference has changed. LeBron James now West Coast bound with the Lakers. Now we have Toronto on the uprise with Kawhi Leonard, Boston, uh, you know, doing their usual thing. I'll, real quick, I want to ask you, how long do you think it'll take for, you know, New York to be in that conversation with Toronto, with the Bostons, with Philadelphia, and now Milwaukee. How long? You know, are we a year away? Are we a two years away? Are we three years away from Knicks being in that top four conversation in the, in the, in the Eastern Depends Conference? on what happens this summer. Um, you know, if the Knicks somehow land Kevin Durant, and yeah. you know, which I think that there's there's a possibility that he leaves Golden State. I mean, he mm-hmm. was talking to some of his associates about that in the off season as a possibility. So I, I think there's, there's a possibility that he considers leaving. If he does, I would think that the Knicks get a meeting with Kevin. Let's say they get lucky and he comes here. And then you look at Toronto and Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Let's say he leaves Toronto. That to me puts the Knicks in pretty good position when you look at this Eastern conference. And it also kind of depends on what happens with Boston. You know, Kyrie Irving, I know he said that he's recommitting to the Celtics and he's going to resign there. Some people around the league, though, think that that was more about putting pressure on the Celtics management to offer him a max contract mm. than it was him expressing his love for the Celtics. So I don't, right. I don't consider that a done deal until he signs a contract on July 1. So, uh, you know, to answer that question, I think the question will have a better idea of, of an answer to that question in the middle of July after we see how things shake out. But let's say the Knicks, you know, they get Kevin Durant. Let's say Kawhi moves on to L.A. or away from the Eastern Conference, I think you have to put the Knicks in that conversation. If they have a healthy Porzingis, yep. if they have whoever they draft in June, and they have a couple of these young guys around Porzingis and Kevin Durant, I think they're right there in the Eastern Conference. I don't think you put them past Boston, but I think you put them in that upper-tier conversation. The Knicks team that we see right now, do they remain the same for the remainder of the season, or do you think they'd kind of do a little tweak uh, trade deadline in February? Well, I think one thing you're going to see in the next few weeks, whether it's now or when they have to make a move in early December, is Alonzo Trier's two-way contract is going to be converted to a regular NBA deal because right now mm. he can spend 45 days with the NBA club, and then if he hits that threshold, he has to go down to the G League. The Knicks want to keep him here, so they're going to have to create an open roster spot to slide Trier in, does that mean waving somebody like maybe an Isaiah Hicks or an Emmanuel Moutier? I don't know. They're going to have to do something here. And I think one thing that will be under consideration is can they trade Courtney Lee and take back, you know, picks, don't take, don't take back a player and open up a roster spot for Alonzo Trier. I think that's, that's one scenario that will be looked at as that date approaches. So that's one mm-hmm transaction to keep an eye on and as you you talk about the trade deadline you know the interesting thing is with with an expiring contract like Ennis Cantor so does a playoff team think to itself hey Ennis can help us this year he can help push us to that next through that next threshold why don't we make a deal for him I think if a playoff team talked to the Knicks about trading for Cantor and they felt that they were getting enough back I would assume that they'd be open to making a move like that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe another thing to look at is 
You're talking about Moutier, Nilakina, and Trey Burke. All three of those guys aren't going to get minutes every night. There's going to be an odd man out of that point guard rotation. You know, if it's Trey Burke, does, does that mean the Knicks consider moving him for maybe a pick and then that's how you open up a roster spot? Or mm-hmm. do you consider moving him in February? Does a team say to itself, hey, Trey can give us some offense off the bench. Let's trade for him. So I think those are the kind of things that you could see the Knicks doing between now and the February trade deadline. Last one, Ian, uh, real quick, just for, you know, we can kind of calm all the, all the Knicks fans down. The expectations from this team is it one, just playing playing the 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 young guy to see what they have. Two, try to make a playoff berth. Or three, I'm not saying any team will lose on purpose, but try to see how high in the draft they can get this summer. I think it's it's the first part, and I think the the other two aspects are I don't know want to say secondary, but I would say that the the number one priority is for the Knicks is to figure out which of these young players this season can be a part of their program going forward. Which of these young guys mm-hmm. can be a part of this core that they're trying to build um, pushing forward? So I think that's that's a top priority and. You know, if whether you lose or you win, that's kind of that's kind of letting just letting the chips fall where they may. And that's but the idea is to see if a Mitchell Robinson is a guy who can help you down the line or if a Damian Dotson or a Noah Vanya or Noah Vonley or players that can help you down the line if they're worth mm-hmm. holding on to going forward. I think that's one of the top um, things that this this Nick organization is looking for with this club this season. Ian Bagley, man, always a pleasure. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Randy. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy. Take care, bro. All right.